You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast. Bryce Goon alongside Glenn West. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Glenn, uh, I don't know if I asked you this at the game, but what was the best item on the table? I know I asked you pre, pre-Thanksgiving meal. What was the best item on the table uh, as you uh, dove into that meal? Yeah, I'm going to keep my answer the same. I, I really like my, uh, my my mom's sweet potato casserole that she makes. That's It's it's, it's like a, you, know, we, you said it last time. It's like a dessert for – the meal so that was that was the best and then she sent over some leftovers too so we've been munching on that for a few days but uh definitely uh definitely ready to kind of start eating some other stuff now i'll ask you this how early do you put up your christmas tree oh i think we usually go first week of december something like that um we don't have a tree up here in baton rouge we usually have one in new orleans my dad sets up so um that's that's kind of our deal is, you know, first week of December, we'll have it for three or four weeks. We get the real tree. We don't, we don't, we don't get the knockoff every year kind of tree that, that some people get. So uh, we, we go for the real thing. Well, I'll say, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll relent and say here, we, uh, the wife made me put up the tree last night. So oh. we've got the tree not decorated yet. Okay. Um, but, uh, and we do, I mean, Glenn, I guess, you know, balling on a budget, we, we did go with the fake tree for our first oh. ever Christmas tree. Oh. So I look, I, I'm a big fan of like the real tree, the smell, like it oh. takes you back to being a kid. Yeah. Uh, but then I guess when you have bills to pay, uh, and yeah. you know, that, that hundred dollar, $200 tree or however much these trees cost nowadays, it, it helps a little bit, I guess. So yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. Christmas time right around the corner. That means transfer portal season. That means the end of the regular season and our 75 uh, off deal. It's going on for the next two days. Let's, next let's, two let's get days. on that. Yes. Yes. And look, you're going to want this because I was talking with someone uh, who's close with LSU, and I just said, you know, from generally speaking, and we're going to talk more about this in the, in the next couple of days in our podcast, this offseason, not only for LSU is really important, we're going to talk about that today, but just the transfer portal, a lot of people, a lot of player personnel folks around the country are like, it's about to just explode. Like, this is this is going to be absolutely crazy with what we see and already the coaching carousel beginning too. So that will have some impact on LSU, it feels like. But Glenn, we go back to the end of the regular season thoughts. LSU wraps up that win against AM, a good come from behind win. I think, too, a really good opportunity for the fans to 
relish Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, and a couple other guys that we expect to you know, not play again in Tiger Stadium for the final time. And just wanted to get your thoughts as a whole. Obviously, this, this season, uh, I don't remember what the over-under win total for Vegas was, but it finishes 9-3. and three, And I'll say this, and I'll hand it off to you. It kind of feels like that this team lost the teams that it probably – uh, should have outside of Ole Miss, maybe. You lose to Alabama, Florida State, and I don't think that would have surprised anybody. Uh, but then you beat the teams you should. So, I mean, how do you feel? What would you kind of grade, or how do you feel about the regular season now that we've concluded it? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take this back to to the regular season, uh, to the, you know, the preseason, really, when I think we were having a lot of these conversations in the offseason about just kind of what the floor and the ceiling might be for this team. And I think there was a pretty uh, – you know, ground level of thinking here that nine and three would be a pretty good floor uh, for this team. You know, obviously 11 and one, 10 and two would have been the ceiling and, you know, competing mm-hmm. for college football playoff and championships. But, um, you know, that's, it's not the way it broke this year. And and look, nine and three, I think was the, the, the benchmark to where I think this floor could be really uh, accepted and, and, and still thinking that this program was going to be going in the right direction. Like I, I do think that, you know, you have an opportunity now for back-to-back 10-win seasons. That's something that Kelly's been talking about for weeks. But uh, to get to that nine-win threshold, something you did last year in year one, um, you didn't take a step back. I don't think you took a yeah. step back this year. And it, at the very least, you, um, you know, you're kind of still on that plateau of, you know, you're not in that upper, upper echelon of, of teams yet. Um, but you showed some signs that you're going to be getting there pretty soon. And I think the the way the offense looked this year – this was a championship level offense. This was, you know, the best offense in the country for most of the season. Um, obviously, you've got a, a Heisman Trophy candidate and Jaden Daniels. You got a Belitnikov candidate and Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas. Um, offensive line really took, I think, some really nice strides this year as a whole, having that group back for a second straight year together. Um, so there, there were some real signs here that you can build. Uh, on one side of the ball, a championship level team, um, you just got to get the other side of the ball up to speed. And I think, you know, a yeah. part of that's going to be a part of what this offseason is about. A part of this offseason, which we'll get to a little bit later, is going to be about uh, continuity and retention of these players uh, that they brought in last year. So, um, you know, th- there's there's going to be some some mixed kind of uh, attacks, I guess, in which way in which LSU is trying to build this year, but just looking at this regular season as a whole, can certainly say that the loss at, at Ole Miss and Oxford was very deflating for the season. Mm-hmm. Long goals. I mean, I, I think that um, anybody coming into that you know game thought you know, LSU was probably going to be able to win that one, especially when your offense puts up 49 points and 600 yards of offense. You know, you, you think you're going to be able to win that game, and you know, it just it just points to some of the some of the building and development that it's, this program still needs to do on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they were just, they're just not a finished product yet uh, and, and really not all that close. And so, um, you know, I think that's going to be a big part of this off season, but um, you know, I think when you have the historic offense and the, the record offense, the record breaking offense that LSU had this year, there's going to be a layer of disappointment, I think on the surface, just because mm-hmm. it, it could be, you know, perceived as a missed opportunity for for not having you know, you know the, the the defense kind of equate uh, with that historic offense. So um, you know, there's 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 two different ways you can look at it. I kind of like to look at it as the you know the glass half full, uh, and you know that you took some real strides this year on the offensive side of the ball. I think you can feel really good 
about your staff on that side of the ball and just kind of the, the, the growth and the, and the ways that they've developed this offense in two years, I think is uh, a real strong sign, not only for recruiting in future years, but obviously with what you could have returning next year and, and, and some of the foundational pieces that you have uh, on the offensive line um, at running back, particularly, you know, with, with, with Logan Diggs and, uh, you know, Caleb Jackson, Trey Holly, and, uh, of course, with the quarterback situation, Nuss Meyer now has been in the program for three years. He's been in this system now for two years, so you can really mm-hmm. uh, lean into that uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but there's going to be some really big, big decisions to be made, I think, on defense and uh, just kind of what the best path forward is on that side of the ball. Yeah, a lot of storylines that we're going to obviously talk about, uh, you know, as the offseason kind of kicks into gear. Obviously, LSU still has the bowl game. We await um, – Glenn, I mean, I'll just throw it out here. How do you feel about an LSU-Notre Dame bowl game? That seems like all signs point to that direction. It's a cool storyline. I think ESPN is going to push it. Your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be uh, completely okay with it. I mean, it would make our – you know, our coverage of that game uh, a little bit more exciting. You know, I think the story kind of writes itself and um, would be a very, very fun, interesting matchup. I, I think, you know, depending on who plays, I mean, look, if, if Jaden doesn't play, if Malik doesn't play, uh, if some of these guys that are going to be obviously moving on from the program after this season uh, decide not to play, then, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's a little bit of a, a downer in terms of just the the on field and what that could look like. But, um, you know, just from a matchup perspective, I mean, it's, it's one of those, you know, kind of head to head battles that you, you, you kind of wanted to see if, if, you know, with, with kind of the coaching change that went on two years ago with Kelly coming here and, um, you know, know, Notre Dame promoting, um, you know, Freeman to, to that, to that spot. So, you know, it'd be a good, I think a good judge of just kind of where both of these programs are at. Notre Dame's had LSU's number the last couple of times they've played yeah. in bowl games. So, um, you know, it would be a, it would be probably a nice for LSU to kind of get a get a bowl win back from those guys uh, if, if that was the matchup that was uh, was picked out. So I'm all for it. I think it'd be a great story. And I'm sure, you know, just in talking with some guys on our board and stuff, I think that they're all on all in for that as well. I think it would be the most. Uh, exciting matchup if you're not going to be in a New Year's Six or college football playoff kind of contention uh, to, to, to have for LSU this year. Yeah, it's two big brands uh, going after yeah. it too, and I think that's what people like to see as well at bowl season. You want to see those matchups that you know you draw at the beginning of the season, what-if type of games. wanted to get your thoughts on this because this season I think brought a lot of surprises, uh, both good and bad. For, for LSU, I think we were all surprised, you know, at the defense and all that kind of stuff. Maybe also surprised at how large the jump that Jane Daniels yeah. made to what he's doing. So what would be kind of maybe one of your biggest surprises that doesn't stem specifically from the defense or stem specifically from Jane Daniels? And, uh, you know, maybe that's a hard question, but who, who's been more of one of the surprise players that maybe you didn't have penciled in as a big-time contributor? Uh, well, hands down, if we're not talking Jaden or, or really the defensive side of the ball, I've, I've got to go with Brian Thomas. I mean, he, uh, you know, even in the preseason this year, he didn't really pop to us in fall camp. You know, there were some moments and flashes that he had, um, but, you know, it really looked like it was going to be the Malik Neighbors show and then everybody else kind of fills in afterwards. That was not the case at all. I mean, it was the Malik Neighbors, yeah. Brian Thomas show for really most of the season. And, um Big credit to, to Brian uh, for, for making the, the jump. I mean, I, you know, some players are just really good in, in games and maybe not as good in practice. And I think that was probably def- definitely the case with, 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 uh, with Thomas Jr. this year. He was just, 
really, really electric. And, you, you know, I mean, you, the, the last touchdown that he caught uh, on Saturday against AM was just a great example, I think, of the jump that not only he's made, but that Jaden's made as well. I mean, it was a 50-50 ball. Thomas, you know, was one-on-one with the receiver, with a, with a cornerback. Jaden notices that he throws it up to him in the corner of the end zone, Thomas. And, you know, he, he trusts Thomas to go up and make that play. Uh, he does it and LSU takes the lead and he's kind of able to, uh, to coast from there uh, in, in, in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I think that was a big play in terms of just showing how much that you know, Jaden and, and Brian Thomas and, and you know, certainly Malik neighbors, that trio, that core group of guys, uh, has really developed in terms of their chemistry this year, um, and and yeah, I, I think that that was a you know it was it was it was a, it was a really good thing to see for 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 LSU to have that other receiver opposite uh, of neighbors to really kind of help open up the offense. And look, LSU moved neighbors around a lot. I think he was going to have a very productive season regardless of the kind of year Brian Thomas had. But there's no doubt that I think the season that Thomas had certainly helped neighbors and and vice versa the season the neighbors had certainly helped thomas as well and 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 uh and, and certainly the growth of Jer- uh, of jaden as the as the you know the deep ball thrower that he became this year um didn't didn't see him being this electric with with the deep ball throw mm-hmm. i think we were all just hoping that he would take some more of those chances and convert on a few more of them um, he was converting on more than a few i mean he it was it was pretty much every game he was hitting at least three or four passes of 20 yards or more uh, to, to these guys and, and just doing a terrific job of spreading the ball out to them, to those two. Um, you know, the, the graphic that ESPN pulled up, I don't believe it was last week, but the week before um, comparing those numbers to, to what Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson did uh, back in 2019. Um, that's, that's historic stuff. I mean, that, that group in 2019 was, you know, arguably the best college offensive of all time. And, you're seeing, you know, four years later, LSU kind of hit those same marks as a as a receiver quarterback group. Uh, that's very, very appealing. If you're a recruit, if you're a transfer portal guy, if you're somebody on this roster that has maybe not had the opportunity yet, um, if you're able to see just kind of that growth from the offense and the big step that they took this year, um, can only get. I mean, it, it can only continue to be what it is. I mean, I, yeah. I, the structure of this offense and the foundation of this system is in place uh, now to, to fill in these players and, and hopefully could get similar results, I guess, going forward. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I'll even add on there, you know, offensively, when he did play, I know that uh, he didn't get to play, you know, the first game of the season and then was banged up towards the end. But we talked about this, like the the importance of a reliable RB1. So I'm yeah. going Logan Diggs. I think Logan Diggs was a really, really nice piece for this offense when healthy. You saw what he brought. And I think, too, you also saw and, – and, look, Jaden did what Jaden did over the course of the, you know, the final three or four games of the season. But I think, too – when Logan Diggs was healthy in the game, it added another dimension to the run game where it wasn't Daniels having to run for 150, 175 yards at times. He could offset that. I think Logan Diggs was, you know, you talk about, and we'll, we'll mention this in tomorrow's podcast or, or later this week's podcast about, you know, portal impact and, and hitting on portal players. I, I, that was a hit for me. I mean, I think that getting Logan Diggs, really good evaluation. Um, and I will say too, Glenn, you know, I know you're you're an LSU grad. I, I didn't. Ha- I came here with no really affiliation. But you know, you you find guys that you root for. Logan Diggs is the guy you root for. The, the way we are able to cover him, you know, the way he respects the media for what we have to do. I, I think Logan Diggs is a fan favorite and and a media favorite too when it comes to interviews. He was really really fun to cover this season for sure. So, yeah, I think that's uh, for me. I'm going Logan Diggs. Uh, we move on to this topic right here, and I think this is something that a lot of fans have kind of had conversations on social media channels, on uh, our boards and stuff like this. But the importance of year three under Brian Kelly. Glenn, you were mentioning earlier maybe the acceleration of expectations because of how good this offense was. I want to take you back to Nashville where we were sitting there and Kelly kind of alluded to the fact like we're going to see, you know, how good what this defense is. In hindsight, Glenn, for me, I think they knew. I don't know if they knew it would be this bad. I think I think Kelly knew this was always going to be a challenge. And for us in the media, maybe we just glossed over some of the deficiencies preseason. Uh, I think we did. I know I certainly did. But your thoughts on kind of the importance of year three and in the grand scheme of things, how big is this for Kelly's tenure? Because uh, I think years three, four, and five will kind of define what Kelly is at LSU. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would agree with that. I think probably going into the year, one of his consistent quotes was about the secondary and about how they've had to turn that over for two years in a row now for pretty much the entire cornerback room. And, uh, and you saw it by the last month of the season, none of the four transfers that LSU brought into the program we're playing, you know, at that, you know, in the last four games of the season. So, um, you know, they, they had to rely on a bunch of young pieces. They got some good playing time for guys like uh, JV and Tobiano, Ashton Stamps, Jeremiah Hughes, Ryan Yates, Uh, Sage Ryan was asked to move over to corner. And I thought uh, held up as well as he could. I mean, in, in terms of his position and what he was asked to do, he had never played outside corner before. And, um, you know, I thought he was, you know, he, he did he did about as well as you could hope for uh, under the circumstances. But mm-hmm. there's no doubt that this needs to be, uh, you know, an important offseason for Brian Kelly. I mean, I can't remember who it was that asked him a couple weeks ago, but they brought up the year three for him. And, and you know, at all of his previous stops, whether it was Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, 
uh, his teams took big, big jumps in year three. And, and I think at Notre Dame, it was the year he went 12 and 0 and played for a national championship. Um, and um, so I, I think that, look, the, the, the offense, you know, I think you've, you can, you've kind of got the structure in place. You've got the, the staff and a lot of the pieces in place. I think you're going to probably want to add a, a receiver that you can really rely on for next year, especially if you lose both neighbors and Thomas uh, to the NFL this year, which I think is, more likely than not that you lose yeah. both of those guys. Um, but you got a good returning foundation on an offensive line. You've got some really good young pieces that are coming up. You've got obviously a guy in Nussmeyer who's been in the system now for two years. Uh, Logan Diggs is a very reliable running back. Caleb Jackson, uh, you know, Trey Holly, Caden Durham. I think those guys are going to be really, really useful on the running back side of things. So I think you can feel pretty good about where the offense is going to be at you know, next year it's all going to come down to the defense for me and just what kind of changes are made there. I mean, I, I know people want to jump on the fire Matt house train and, and, you know, look, I, I think that's a decision that, you know, Brian Kelly is going to have to really weigh here over the next week or two. Um, you know, it sounds like they're going to deal with more of the player uh, meetings, exit meetings this mm -hmm. week, and then he'll kind of get into more of the coaching staff uh, evaluations next week. And, and certainly over the next couple of weeks, but um Look, I, 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 nothing would really surprise me at this point with the defense. All I know is that you have to make some kind of changes, um, whether that's coaching staff related, whether that's personnel related, whether it's scheme and mindset related. Um, I, I think the biggest point here that I've taken away from Kelly over the last couple of weeks and kind of how it pertains to the next couple of, uh, you know, weeks and months to come of this offseason it's going to be about player retention. I mean, they want to keep a lot of these players that they brought in last year in the fold for 2024. I mean, you saw yeah. it with the offense this past year. How much did continuity help from year one to year two with that offense and having most of those guys back uh, in tow and, and knowing kind of what their roles were, what kind of development they needed in the offseason? Um, the defensive side of the ball, you pretty much just had Harold Perkins, Makai Wingo, um, you know, Greg Brooks at the time, those were pretty much your your three, four starters. I mean, Major, Major Burns, you can throw in there as well. But outside of that, they were replacing a, a lot of pieces. I mean, you had Mason Smith coming back from the ACL. You had a bunch of new guys, in, you know, in the program that you were hoping would step up on the defensive line uh, and certainly at cornerback as well with the transfers you brought in. Um, so I think that the big goal here is going to be uh, trying to re-recruit a lot of these players. He's gonna, they're going to re-recruit Mason Smith. They're going to re-recruit Makai Wingo, uh, Major Burns. I mean, uh, Greg Penn, all these guys that mm -hmm. played big, significant roles on your defense this year. Um, they're they're going to try to get a lot of them back. I, I feel like that's kind of the trajectory they want to go in and, and kind of sand out the edges from there. I think you're hoping that a guy like Whit Weeks takes a really big step and, and can kind of step in for – you know, obviously losing what Omar Spates gave you this year. Um, I think you're hoping that Zy Alexander can come back from his injury and be a contributor to some degree. Um, but I do think you're going to have to go into the portal uh, for a couple of defensive backs, whether it's a corner or safety. I think you're going to have to go in and get a, a defensive lineman, a couple, de a couple defensive tackles. You know, we've already seen kind of the pursuit they're making at a couple of these JUCO guys uh, that yeah. they'd like to add to the 2024 class. Um, so those are kind of older experienced players who have some level of, of playing time in college. 
um, and have been in a college program before. So uh, if they can kind of hit on some of those players, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't I don't think you're going to be looking at the double digits in terms of portal uh, signees this year. I think they'd love to keep that in the five to seven or eight range uh, if possible. So uh, you've got to be really selective and you've got to be able to hit those evaluations out of the park this year because you really can't afford to miss on uh, any portal additions that you make this year. Yeah, and one of the biggest things you talk about year three, I mean, year three of any head coach, whether he's coached for 30 years like Brian Kelly or it's a first-year head coach, that's where you really start to see the development factor come in. Uh, You know, for LSU, the roster that Kelly inherited was obviously kind of a bare-bones roster, had to kind of, you know, fill in a bunch of needs and say, let's go from here. But now you're going to see, like you mentioned a couple guys, like guys that have been in the program for two years, how are they being developed by position coaches, by analysts? Like, like what is the status of that? And I think that's all part of the exit interviews. It's part of these exit interviews and evaluations for the coaching staff, where do they feel like each said position group is going forward? Because you're definitely right. Like, I don't expect, and, and we'll see. I mean, it depends on what type of – it depends. It's going to be a numbers game. How many guys go to the NFL? How many LSU players decide they want to try to play somewhere else in the portal? You might have to get to double digits. We, we don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. But I do agree with you. If it stays like we think it will stay, you're probably going to have, uh, you know, I would say seven, eight, maybe nine additions through the portal. You add that into the high school ranks. You know, a couple of the guys that you're going to have is some JUCO players with some experience. It's all going to be about, you know, the coaching. And, and this is one of the things, you know, Glenn, I wasn't around, but everyone, if you cover college football, you know, Brian Kelly, you know, one of the more successful coaches in, you know, recent college football history and what he's been able to do in on the field product. This is why you hired him. Like th- you hired him for the development factor, for building the continuity, like you said, and building a consistent contender for a playoff. Look, year three under Brian Kelly also marks the expansion of this 12-team playoff, which I remember one of the very first podcasts that you and I did when I came on board was, should LSU's expectation to be in the playoff every single year? 12-team? I I don't think that – I mean, unless unless something catastrophic were to happen, I think so. And and this year showed that. Yeah, if you're not in the 12-team playoff this year, if you're LSU – you know, or, or next year, I should say, if you're not in the 12-team playoff, then something's gone really wrong because I, I do yeah. think that you have to be in that conversation at the very least next year. Like, you have to be in that 12-team playoff uh, to really feel like that you're making the kinds of strides as a program uh, that, that are worth uh, that are worth it. And so, uh, you know, look, I, you, you brought up a couple really good points here. It's why Brian Kelly was brought in. The CEO version of Brian Kelly, I think, is what you're really going to have to see this year, uh, this offseason. Look, last year, the special teams was one of the worst special teams groups we've ever seen um, and at, at LSU. And Brian Kelly quickly moved on from, from Brian Polian, who was one of his most trusted pieces, you know, in that yeah. in, in his program over the last five or six years, dating back to Notre Dame. Brian Polian was his right hand man. Yeah. Look, I, I think that the CEO version of Brian Kelly uh, you know, he, he's going to have to make a decision on whether or not this defense is moving in the kind of direction that can warrant success in, in 2024. And I, I think the biggest thing for me here is that if you're going to be uh, all in on retention and, and getting a lot of these core group guys back personnel wise, I don't know that you can move forward with the same coaching staff as well. I mean, like you, the, if you just run it back, for example, with everybody and you get everybody mm-hmm. back and you just you sand out the edges. You get a couple of improvements on defense at, at, at key positions of need. Um, 
what, what's that doing for you? I mean, are you going to jump from a 125th ranked defense to a 50th ranked defense overnight? I, I don't know that you do. Yeah. So like, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough conversations, tough decisions to, ahead. Uh, and, and I'll be very interested to see what he what what Kelly ultimately decides. But I do know this that uh, just in two years of covering this team. He'll he'll make the he'll make tough decisions. He'll make tough calls if that's what he feels is warranted. Uh, and if it's not, then he'll 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 back up his coaches. He'll back up his players. And um, you know, I'll be I'll just be very interested to see just kind of what those conversations are like uh, and what happens in, in in the in the weeks to come with in regards to his coaching staff and particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's a time of uh, self reflection. And Kelly started, you know, the press conference on Saturday, right, saying, hey, the first person you got to evaluate is myself. You know, where, where am I? I got to take a step back and say, where where are we and this program? Is this what I envisioned in, in the first two years? So I, all really, really good points there, I think, that as you see a very pivotal uh, offseason coming up for LSU. We still got a bowl game, and we still have that 75% off deal you need to take advantage of. We mentioned a couple JUCO names to be on the lookout for recruiting-wise. Transfer portal talk. The contact period is about to open up. Glenn? A lot of people might think that we just sleep from December to maybe July when we go to Nashville. That is couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, college football is now year-round all the time, so we are going to be talking about that and much, much more. We're going to have a couple podcasts later this week. Uh, we're going to have great information on the boards. Make sure you do take advantage of that 75% off your annual VIP membership. Fantastic deal. Glenn, I remember I signed up under one of these deals when I was just a fan, uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to take advantage of and join a fantastic community. And keep myself and, and Glenn, keep us comfortable during the men's basketball season, uh, the women's basketball season, which I think is has a lot of storylines that we're going to be able to follow all year. Uh, and then up until baseball season, Glenn, which I guess that's like I was walking out of the stadium and uh, a kid, one of the kid, a kid, he was probably like 11 or 12 years old. He goes, so, Dad, like, do we just wait for baseball season now? I was like, that's how you know you got a good baseball program. <laughs> yeah, come chop it up with us. It'll be a fun <laughs> offseason. Uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of – a lot of great updates coming in terms of transfer portal. Uh, any kind of changes made with you know the staff and and, and certainly the roster and uh, you know building out this 2024 class. They're still going after a couple of these uh, freshman recruits uh, over the over the next couple of weeks. We'll see if they can kind of close the gap there on guys like Terry Bussey and Gabriel Relaford and uh, Dominic McKinley is still you know I think having conversations with with the program. So. Uh, Lots of interesting stuff, you know, and we're just getting started here. Even though the regular season might be winding down, uh, off season is is our time. That's that's the twenty four seven sports time to really uh, get in there and, and drive up a lot of conversation and get uh, some good some good uh, information on, about the future of the program. So we're excited. Could be a lot of fun. Glid West, my name is Bryce Coon. We will catch you next time here on the Go Twenty Seven Four Seven. Wow, the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast. Uh, make sure that you hit that subscribe button if you're following us, whether it's on social media. We appreciate that. Facebook, uh, Twitter, wherever you might find the content, we appreciate you there as well. We will catch you next time here on the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.